Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture, and we thank you for uh, the message of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount as he gives us guidance as to how we would live a life of kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. We ask that you would give us wisdom as we reflect upon these words. In Jesus' name, amen. When we think about Christmas, and in general, uh, people uh, outside the church, when they think about Christmas, who is it that comes to mind first? Now, of course, the Sunday school answer is always Jesus. No matter what I ask you, it's always Jesus. And it should be Jesus in this case. But after Jesus, who is it that most people think about at Christmas? Santa Claus. Santa Claus, that's right. People think about Santa Claus, and yet in the church, during the time of Advent, that's the person that we would least necessarily think about. In fact, we might be trying to push out Santa Claus. We have uh, spent the whole week uh, seeing Santa Claus at the mall, and commercials about Santa Claus, and and, uh, Hallmark movies about Santa Claus, and, and all the other things that are going on, and we're trying to push that out of our mind so that we can focus on what Christmas is really about, and that is the birth of Jesus. However, this morning, I'm going to invite Santa back into the church, uh, but specifically Santa as St. Nicholas, the the person that uh, Santa Claus is based on. Now, you may or may not know that uh, St. Nicholas was an actual historical person uh, who served as a bishop of a city in Asia Minor, which is what we call today Turkey. And he lives in the he lived in the years uh, 270 to 343. And why that's significant is uh, it's believed that he was at the Council of Nicaea, which is a, a really important council that uh, came up with the, the Nicene Creed. And that's actually a creed that we're going to be uh, reciting together uh, after the, the sermon. But he was at this council. So he was someone who was extremely theological. Uh, now, we don't know a lot about his life, but there's actually a legend that at that council, there was a particular heretic who was denying that Jesus was divine. And uh, the, the claims are that Nicholas uh, gave him not a present, but a, a punch in the face. So I don't know if that's exactly what happened or not, but that's what the legend of St. Nicholas is. But when we think of St. Nicholas, we think of, of him as someone who gave presents. And this goes back to some historical uh, parts of the story of St. Nicholas. He was known for giving gifts, but not necessarily the way that we think about it. We think about uh, St. Nicholas as uh, coming into homes of a little, uh, good little boys and girls and giving them their, their favorite toys and, and so on. But the actual story is, is that he secretly gave uh, three bags of gold to uh, help uh, someone to prevent three young ladies from being sold into prostitution. That's what the actual situation was. He provided the gold so that these girls would not have to be sold into prostitution. Now, that's not really the the, the stuff of uh, the night before Christmas, but that's the actual historical story of what was going on. Nicholas was a man of faith who served and followed Jesus And he was willing to put that faith 
into practice by doing things that needed to be done, specifically to help people who were in need. And that's what we want to be thinking about as we look at the the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to be focusing on today. And this is really important because especially for the, the younger generation of today, it is really important to have a faith that is practical. Not to say that uh, singing worship songs or uh, coming together and just uh, enjoying fellowship uh, is not important, but the people, especially of the younger generation, really long for a faith that makes a difference, that changes lives, that helps people who are in need. This is really important to this generation. Now, I want to make it clear that I'm not saying that we should change the gospel to make it into something that the younger generation will appreciate. That That's not the way it is. If the gospel has absolutely no practical benefit, if it has no relevance to everyday life, then we should just leave it at that and not change it into something it's not. However, I would say that the gospel is very clearly applicable to everyday life. It is very much about helping people in need and being active and uh, making changes in our world. That's really what the Bible uh, describes the gospel as being. There is no way that we could look at the gospels in our New Testament and come away with saying Christianity is a faith that is so heavenly minded that it is no earthly good. We cannot come to that collusion when we read the gospel. So that's what we're going to be taking a look at. So what we're going to do is, is uh, go back to the idea of the fruit of the spirit that we're focusing on here in Advent. Now, what's interesting when we look at different uh, fruit of the Spirit and, and different Christian virtues, uh, a lot of them are actually about our inner state. And there are, that's important. It's really important for God to make His change in us on the inside. That is absolutely vital. So there are certain things that, that happen on the inside that other people might not necessarily see on the outside. You know, we can be uh, filled with love. We can be filled with joy and peace and, and all of these other things that happen on the inside. And that is really important. That is the really the foundation for the other things that will eventually happen. But the fruit of the Spirit that we're looking at today, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, those are all action-oriented fruit. Those are things that have to, by definition, have some kind of, of outward expression. There's no way that you could just see a person aside from what they do and how they live their lives and say, well, that's a kind person. You can't just see kindness on the inside. Uh, goodness is another thing. that uh, When we describe a person as being a good person, there's a reason why we're saying that. There's some kind of evidence on the outside that demonstrates that they are good. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. In fact, I would say these three fruit of the Spirit, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, are actually uh, uh, related. They're very closely related. In fact, we could say that it is about uh, being able to trust that a person is willing to do the thing that is right. Uh, that really is what the three uh, fruit of the Spirit really come together into being. Uh, kindness is about love in action. So I can feel love towards another person. I can just you know, feel inside uh, this affection towards another person. 
But kindness is about taking those feelings and then doing something with them. So that could be uh, giving them something or uh, helping them in some way. Just think about those times where you see, oh, that was that was a very kind person. What was the kind of thing that made you say that they were kind? It, it was some kind of outward demonstration of love. Now, goodness is more of a generic term, but it is still very much about action. When we say that someone is good, something has been done that has demonstrated that. They have done something good. Uh, I've been thinking about uh, the concept of, of uh, goodness versus greatness. Uh, I'm a, a student of history, and, and I've noticed that there are people in history who are described as the great, right? We have Alexander the Great, and we have Alfred the Great, and Catherine the Great. Uh, we have even Herod the Great in the, uh, in the New Testament. But what you notice about these people is that you can be great without being good. Uh, you can do great things, things that impress people, but you're not necessarily a good person. So, for example, Herod the Great, when we look at him in the uh, New Testament and we look at him uh, slaughtering the innocents in Bethlehem, uh, he, even though he's considered great because he built so many uh, temples and buildings uh, within Judea, he was not a good person. Goodness is something that is demonstrated on the outside. And faithfulness is something as well. We might think of faithfulness as being towards uh, God or God being faithful towards us. But faithfulness really is about being trustworthy. And just as we uh, make ourselves available, that God can trust us to follow him, uh, we should have that kind of relationship with others. When we say that we're going to do something, uh, people should be able to trust that we are going to do it. Of course, people forget things. Those kind of things happen. But this is really warning against those who will say something just to get their way, and then when it's time for a follow-through, don't actually do it because they no longer care. So those are the virtues that we are looking at here, and they are very, very important. Uh, when we think about people who... Uh, uh, are connecting with God, one of the things that I find interesting is that there's different ways for us to connect with God, and, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, two of the ways that people connect with God are the contemplatives and the activists. So a contemplative is that kind of person who can just sit in silence, who just would love to sit there and pray for an hour or two, or just to, to just soak in God's presence, to just think about it, to, to reflect upon God's word, and, and not just to, to study it, to, to learn information, but to hear God's voice in that. And then we have the, the people who are the activists, who just want to roll up their sleeves and get out there and do something. They want to go and, and, and uh, feed the hungry. They want to uh, go and, and uh, be there and to help uh, the homeless and, and to visit people who are in the hospital and to, to actually do things. And what I've noticed about these things is there's a connection between them. So even though it's great to be a contemplative, it, you can't just stay there. You can't just stay in silence forever and, and just be in the presence of God. Part of that is to actually eventually get up and go and do something. And then same with the activists. The activists should be finding their strength in the presence of God. So what I want you to see here is that the Christian faith is supposed to be an act of faith. It should be a faith that is marked by kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So that's fine that it's supposed to be an act of faith, but 
how does that look? What is an act of faith supposed to be looking like in, in a practical way? Now, I want to share with you one of my pet peeves, and maybe you share this, maybe you don't. But what drives me crazy is when I turn on the news and I see a picture of a politician, uh, not just in general, but uh, when I see a, a politician after there's been a uh, some kind of natural disaster, so there's been a, a flood or a tornado or whatever, and you see there's a, a politician there and they're handing out bottles of water or uh, putting some food onto a plate or they're helping in, in some way. Uh, and it, it doesn't bother me that they're helping. What bothers me is I know that they're there not to make a difference, but they're actually there for the photo op. That's why they're there. It's expected for them as the leader of a country or a leader of a, of uh, some other political uh, uh, organization, and they have to be seen doing this. And you can see that they're there. They're they're spending more time smiling at the camera than actually making a difference and helping. The only reason that they're there are, are because the camera is there, and this is going to be an important step for them to get reelected next time. Now, I'm sure that there are politicians who actually want to make a difference, but very often when you see these things, you can just tell that they are there because the reporters are there and they're going to get something out of this. Now, unfortunately, this kind of thing can sometimes happen in the church as well, that there are people who sincerely want to help. They really want to make a difference in some way, but also want to be seen doing it. Uh, they enjoy the uh, the boost to the reputation, uh, the, the increase in respect that people have towards them for doing that. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus warns about in here. When he talks about uh, people doing that in the synagogues, he's not taking uh, a jab at uh, the, the Jewish faith or the Jewish people or anything like that. It's just that's the, the uh, circumstances in which the disciples would have understood and they would have known people gathering together and... Uh, People in general want to be seen doing what they would do. And in that culture, the best place to do it would be in the synagogue. Lots of people would see you doing your good deed, and they would look up to you and say, well, look at that person. Aren't they great for doing that? And the person would just soak it in. And this is something that that happens. Now, Jesus tells us that you should not do it that way, that we should give in secret, that we should not let people see what we are doing. Now, does that mean that as you're about to uh, to uh, send a meal to a hungry family, uh, at the last moment someone finds out who you're doing and then you say, well, no, I can't drop off the meal now because they found it out and, and now I, I've broken the rules. No, that's not what Jesus is teaching. He's asking us about our motivation. Why are we doing what we are doing? Are we doing it to be noticed? Are we doing it to for the, the boost to the ego? Or, or are we doing it because it is the right thing to do and these people need help? Here is what the test is. This is how we can test what our motivation is. Would we still be willing to do what we do if no one knew about it? So uh, say we wanted to give a significant amount of money for a certain charitable project. If no one was to know who gave that money, would you still do it? Or is it important to you that people know that this money was coming to you. Would you go out and work with the homeless or uh, or addicts or, or someone else if 
no one was going to notice. If there's no reporters or or uh, no community that would be there to to encourage you to say, oh, you're doing a great job, uh, you know, good for you for being such a good person. If no one was to notice that, would you still be willing to do that? That's the question that we have to ask. Would we do it if no one noticed? Jesus tells us that uh, if we do it with the proper motivation, we might not get the reward from other people, but we get the reward from God. Now, what does that look like? I really don't know. I'm actually skeptical about these really elaborate uh, um, plans of, of what happens when we get to heaven and exactly how, what rewards you get and all that kind of thing. I don't know that. Uh, it might be as simple as when we get to heaven, uh, Jesus uh, gives us a wink and says, you know what, I noticed. That might be our reward. And you know what? If that was it, then that would be reward enough. That would be definitely good enough. Now, I don't want to pretend that this is easy because we all have egos. I have egos. And I will tell you, I remember at a, a previous church, uh, it was snowing hard and, and uh, I was out front uh, shoveling the, uh, the snow uh, off the, uh, the, the steps uh, in front of the church. And I remember as I was doing that, the, the thought just randomly came into my mind, I hope someone drives by and notices that I'm doing this. And, and I, as soon as I did that, I realized, you know, that was the most ungodly thought. That's exactly opposite of what Jesus wants. But I was just reminded that there is a part of me that likes to have my ego stroked, that it would be great if someone saw what I did and came up to me and said, you know, that's you, you're just so inspiring dude, to see you do those kinds of things. And yet that's not what Jesus wants us to do. But we have to be aware that that ego is there and that's what we have to be fighting against. I do want to say that the kind of of uh, uh, kindness and goodness and faithfulness that we're talking about here, it happens in this church on a regular basis. I hear stories about uh, people who give significant amounts of money uh, anonymously. They don't want other people to know, but they give it, not for the glory that they're going to get, but because they want to make a difference, and they specifically want their names kept from that. I see when I'm here at the church in my office when uh, none of the other programs are going on, there's no services taking place, I see people from this congregation coming in and doing the jobs that are are not really the, the, the glorious jobs. They are not the real uh, glamorous things that you would really be excited to do. They're coming in and doing the dirty jobs. Not because someone has asked them, uh, not because that's their, their job title, it's just they know that there's something to be done and they quietly come in here and they give of their time to do that and they are not seeking to be noticed. There are people who are demonstrating kindness, goodness, and faithfulness exactly the way Jesus taught. Uh, you may have uh, worked in a place where at Christmas time they have something called a secret Santa. And the, the secret Santa idea is when you give a gift to one of your co-workers, but your name doesn't go on there. You don't know who it is that's giving you that gift. And it's just a, a fun little game that people do at, at Christmas. The, the ironic thing is, is you we're getting close there to what Jesus is teaching. Now, the secret Santa usually is like a, just a, a fun gift. What Jesus was talking about was more about helping people in need. 
But still, the idea of being that secret Santa, there's something there. We should be helping people, making a difference, however that looks, whether that's supporting the ministry of the church or uh, helping a person in need as an individual, whatever it is that it could possibly be, we should be seeking to do that without being noticed, to demonstrate kindness, goodness, and faithfulness in a very quiet way. This is what Jesus taught on the Sermon of the Mount. It is the model that we have been given for how we are to live out our faith, and it's the challenge that he leaves with us. God, we acknowledge that we all have egos, and we all like to be noticed, and yet you have called us to a greater way. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to live out our Christian faith in a quiet way, in a way that maybe other people don't notice, but that you would notice. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the the courage and the strength of character to live out this faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we have our final song, we're going to recite together the Nicene Creed. And I thought this would be a good thing to do since uh, St. Nicholas was there when it was um, when it was put together. I'm told that uh, he did ask for a, a line to be added in there, uh, but they decided to go without the ho-ho-ho. So we, we have the, uh, uh, the, the final version of uh, the Nicene Creed. And we're going to uh, recite that together uh, as we um, begin to bring our service to a close. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen.